2020 has already reshaped how we work. Your protection from, 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 from deception. This is Truth Frequency Radio. Welcome to Cracking the Reality Code with Johanna Sand. In a world seemingly gone mad, what if you had the opportunity to shift your consciousness to reflect your divine nature quickly and safely? What would that look like and how would that feel? This is your opportunity to become the peace-filled center of the storm rather than be consumed by it. The world is awakening and so are you. Here is Johanna. Hello and welcome to our Saturday afternoon live radio broadcast here at TFRlive.com. And we are cracking the reality code. I am here in Ecuador and uh, my co-host Lillian Wilkinson is in Los Angeles and today we have one of our favorite guests on Sue Terry and Sue has been on our show quite a bit and we're always happy to have her she is a real consciousness explorer uh, par excellence she's a internationally known uh, jazz musician she's an author and a generally inquisitive person of the highest order. So thanks for being on, Sue Terry. You can also learn more about uh, Sue Terry's bio and also explore our new website, which is crackingtherealitycode.com. And you're welcome to sign on to our notices. And uh, we have a lot of resources there as well as our guest information. So check it out. So thanks for being here, Sue, and we're kind of maybe going to let you start off today and lead us down a path of uh, exploration. I hope it's that and not the garden path <laughs> that I lead everybody down. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, so our theme today was uh, we, we were talking about the new human paradigm uh, that concerns the reintegration of intuitive and mystical knowledge with reason and scientific method. So I think we're going to launch into that. And this to me is one of the, it's it's the crux of the problem that we're dealing with at this stage of humanity's evolution is that we've been so consumed with the scientific method and rationality that we we've just thrown the baby out with the bathwater in terms of all the intuitive and mystical types of knowledge and uh, knowledge that doesn't conform to standard scientific practice so i wanted to make a to read this quote from Lionel Snell, who wrote a wonderful book called My Years of Magical Thinking. And he's talking here about the arts and about science, but we can plug in other things into that too, because it's a general concept that he's, uh, that he's referencing. And he says, if the arts becomes identified with the past, representing an earlier human need and therefore the upholder of tradition and culture, while on the other hand, science is identified with progress and the future, then there's a battle. But if the time element becomes irrelevant and the two are seen simply as complementary human needs, based on different sets of human faculties, 
then the battle fades away and the two can coexist. So this is Lionel Snell's comment about, about uh, the, you know, the arts versus the scientific world. But in this book, he's talking about the progressions that humanity makes from being involved in a magic, a magical world where you hear voices and you communicate through the shamans and the plants talk to you and um, and you don't know anything about scientific quote unquote reasons for things happening and then you move into um, into religion into into uh, into into religion and, and then into art and then into science and then at the end back into magic again. And so the whole thing is very cyclical. So what we've been subjected to is continually, I mean, for centuries, is this disregard of the quote-unquote magical elements. And I only use that because, I only use that word because it's kind of an opposite to scientific but we've just disregarded all these other types of knowledge that are available to us and that work. You know, the current medical system, the Western medical system that's used is only, uh, you know, two, three hundred years old. I mean, the, the Asian systems of healing are thousands of years old and they worked. So... I think this is a time, and and some of today's very interesting thinkers have been addressing this. Uh, we watched a video where Bentinho Massaro was discussing the new paradigm of science, and he's he's suggesting the same thing. Why do you have to disregard certain things from scientific inquiry? And if we look at science, uh, the history of modern science, maybe we can say began with with quantum mechanics and Einstein and James Clerk Maxwell and those people where we learned that the observer of the experiment actually changes the outcome of the experiment. And they were talking about this in the 1920s, but I don't know. It seems like scientists are still pretending that an experiment is sacrosanct. You know, so you get these people repeating these scientific experiments in different locations on the planet with different climates where the gravity is different. I mean, here we know in, in South America, gravity is light. You actually weigh less here. So anyone out there who wants to lose weight, come on down here to South America. Uh <laughs> You know, experimenters have different cultural backgrounds. They have different education. Then we have different phases of the moon. Well, we know the moon affects tides. So why wouldn't it affect other things? The movement of liquids. And it does. When they cut down the bamboo here to for construction, you have to cut down the bamboo when the moon is not attracting the fluid inside the bamboo because then you're going to have insects. So all of this, uh, you know, and then keep going, you know, go into astrology. Uh, why couldn't different planetary alignments, why couldn't that not have an effect on an experiment? You know, so all these things are going on and yet we expect to have the same repeatable results. And that this is why we don't. And this is why science is not just a question of trying to replicate um, an, an outcome, because science depends just as much on creativity and speculation as it does on trying to codify uh, the results of an experiment. Um, so I think I'll stop there and uh, let's open the floor. Wow. So I yeah, love uh, excuse me one up. second. Lillian, I just want to put our phone number out there in case anyone wants to join in, and then you take it away after sure, that. Sure, sure. The number, you, if, if anyone out there wants to join our conversation, we welcome that, and you can dial in this number, area code 
233-3998. All right. So take it away, Lillian. Okay. Well, Sue, I was just going to tell you, I, I just, I love what you bring up. I always love what you bring up anyway, but this, this is really a great topic and um, it, it brings up so much, but mostly it just brings up how it feels like the movement, at least as Johanna says, like over here, it feels like the, the ask is to it, take everything in because science will give you Let's just put mainstream science will give you a very limited point of view, you know, but even in every genre, every, even in spirituality, there's, there's a fringe. And I have to say, I think actually kind of non-duality might be more the fringe than the norm when people think of spirituality. So there's, there's polarization kind of in every aspect that, that we have in politics, certainly in everything. And I think what's being asked is that we just as just step back and look at all of it. And, you know, Johanna and I have been exploring the shadow a lot because that's part of it. It's like what you want, what we've traditionally wanted to cut our minds off to. It's just like, just relax a little bit and just look at it. Just give it the floor for a minute. And then you can agree or disagree, but everything is allowed. And the real ask, I think, is that we look at everything with fresh eyes. Don't come to it as possible. I'm not saying don't. I mean, we do, but as much as possible without a hard set, this is the way it has to be. Because to your point, Sue, that doesn't exist. And quantum physics really does show that. And that's the new science. And and even that's very fringe compared to a lot of scientists today don't even want to deal with that aspect of, of the new science, but that doesn't mean it's a fact. And um, you were talking about, um, gosh, what's his name? I wrote, I already forgot the, the man, the magic, you know, and um, Lionel Snell. And I did catch a little video and he was talking about how magic, magical thinking brings back kind of the juice in an everyday boring life because we tend to think that my job, my life is just boring and sort of rote and everything's kind of unknown. And it's, you know, it's dull. It's not very exciting. So we look to, we love things like Harry Potter and we love, you know, magic because it's kind of, you're looking behind the scenes and it's another world, not this world, because this world is boring. But these people, including Lionel Snell, is inviting us to make this life, which we thought was boring, so put that narrative behind us for a while and look at it through magical thinking that anything is possible. We live in a field of infinite possibility, and indeed we are that. And I think that's what you're speaking to, Sue. Uh, it, it is, and I think that what we're, you know, we're in the middle of experiencing our lives as being extremely micromanaged. Be, and on the one hand, you want to appreciate that there's maybe something like the FDA that's saying, oh, well, this substance that is for sale hasn't been fully tested and so it might hurt some people you know but th then on on the other hand you get a lot of things that are beneficial to people if you know how to take them various supplements and so forth and so it's becoming a situation where it's more and more incumbent upon individuals to do their own research or to find the gatekeepers that will do the research for you that you can go to and they become your go-to people. For instance, I like to go uh, a lot of times to Bruce Lipton because I feel that the worldview and the scientific view that he presents as a biologist uh, is that his views resonate with my views. And so rather than myself going out and trying to, you know, get a degree in biology so I, I can understand how my 
what supplements I want to take and how I'm going to manage my physicality, I can go to someone like him who's a gatekeeper and see what he says about it. So I, I think we're kind of in the, all in the position now where we have to do that because we can't rely on government bureaucrats to make those types of decisions for us. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of it is we can't decide on, we can't let anybody any at any point really, right, in a way, make our decisions for us. So I have go-to people too that I love and I trust, but we it, it's incumbent upon us to do our own thinking. What and, and to your point earlier, Sue, when we were talking about it, is what actually works? What works in your life? What works? And all of the things we were talking about um, you know, there's alternative methods of healing, for instance, because we were talking about that earlier. Some things may work for one and may not work for another, and that's fine. It doesn't mean we need to build the whole story or narrative around it as being good or bad or right or wrong. It's just, you know, not today. Maybe maybe this is more appealing for me today. And we can look at everything as a tool. And, you know, we don't use a hammer for everything, you know, so we can, we can play around and we can try, but the ultimate, the end result is always what works for us. And so it's getting to know ourselves and to become very honest and very authentic with our own selves and Mm -hmm. and to, to really examine that. So hello, ladies. Hello. Slipped off our little technology here. Um, So I I probably missed a a couple of minutes, but I I know before I, uh, I just wanted to sort of bring in this extraordinary, what I call the new science paradigm. I know both of you were talking about it. And it's what what I, I, I do want to point out we mentioned that science is progressing slowly, as does everything seemingly progress when we discover something really radically different. And I think the implications of what this is pointing to is so much in line with some of the basic uh, traditions of awakening and pointing to the real power, the authentic power that is in fact our true nature and what we're always connected to. Science went into this Descartian split, you know, several hundreds of years ago where we separated, you know, I think we moved out of, as Sue was pointing out, the magical era, which had its certain you know, uh, energy of life, although it certainly had its limitations too. And we moved into this objective materialist world where the world was outside of us and it existed as this, you know, uh, invitation to, to discover the laws of it, of which we have done to a certain degree and have found it useful. But it also created this really what we call us being separated from our very essence and being separated from that world that we look to conquer. And I think we're in this, you know, talking about the shadows projection now of our collective unconscious. I just see what's happening in our world is this projection of this divisive shadow where we're believing you know, that the world is objective and believing a narrative about it and then, you know, shunning anything else that doesn't fit into that view and completely missing the point of which this new science is is showing us that we are all connected. We're all entangled. There is no space and time. They've already proved that and they have proved it over and over again. And they have proved that we exist as this infinite field, which both of you were, were, were kind of acknowledging, but really taking on this new paradigm of which even the scientists that are working in the field have not really taken this on. You know, it's another theory, but this theory is so radical and transformative about us being connected to real power. 
because we've identified power as being something outside of us, that if we had enough knowledge about the world or if we had enough understanding or we could control it, we would be on top of things. Well, the opposite is happening. So anyway, sorry, I just sort of came in with that because I want to, you know, what, what I'm feeling more and more is a real depth of merging the uh, scientific new knowledge with our mystical traditions and our direct experience of seeing this, you know, back to your point of trying things and using our inner laboratory, but also knowing that we are infinite energy in the essence, as is everything. It is intermingled. It is made of the same quanta energy. I mean, I'm not going to explain this in terms of physics because I'm really not qualified to do that. But the essence of it, I think, is we're grasping this. It's so exciting. You know, I, I think we're, as humans, we're, we're very limited. We know that our world, we know that our universe, our galaxy, that everything that exists, that we are so nothing compared to all of that. At the same time, we're antennas. And so all of the vastness that exists around us, we can't take that all in. Each person can only take in a certain amount. Like as we were talking about be- before, what works for one person doesn't work for another because we're we're resonating. And I want to talk about this some more about resonance and vibration. So so we're all these little antennas that are tuning in to the thing that we resonate with. And Lillian, I know that you like Bashar. I do too. And he's always talking about permission slips. He says everything is a permission slip, right? So when we were, you know, in school, you had to have a permission slip to go to the bathroom. You had to have a permission slip to go on the field trip with your class, you know. And then we kind of got used to this idea. We were trained to this idea that we have to have an authority to speak for us, an authority that gives us permission to do something that we want to do. And I think this is the tendency where we gravitate towards, maybe towards a religion, maybe towards a philosophy, maybe towards scientific theories, maybe towards anything, towards music. Because whatever that thing is, it gives us our world world view. It allows us to proceed in the direction that we're resonating with vibrationally. And it, it allows us to say, hey, it's okay to do that. There's a whole lot of other people doing that same thing, and you can do it too. So we don't feel like we're all, all out there all alone having this idea that seems to come out of the blue. So in Lionel Snell's book, he, he gives this great analogy about a, about a film strip. So he says, someone will say, well, were you ever influenced by a movie? You know, and then you think about all, all the different movies you've seen that made you cry or maybe even changed your worldview, changed your whole way of thinking. They, they affected you in some way. And then someone else will say, well, you know, you know that that was just um, frames on a piece of celluloid, right? And you know those were only actors. Those weren't real people, right? So they try to mess up your <laughs> this thing that affected you so strongly because it's taking this the thing that is that you feel passion for and it's trying to reduce it to a set of scientific variables so which not only does it kind of ruin your day but it's also not even the point you know 
so like everybody, that. everyone gravitates towards their own permission slip, I think. I think you're so right about it. And I think what comes to mind is that it, the things that we vibrate to, our frequency is set. It's our passion. It's our excitement. And we don't have control over that, honestly. You know, you might hear a song and it just brings you to tears and you were not prepared for that at all. Your mind had nothing to do with that. Or a movie, to your point. You see a film and it moves you so much. And that's the thing that you're resonating to. So I think I love the idea that you brought up with the authority thing. Because it doesn't matter if somebody, if you love a film and it moved you a certain way and somebody wants to shit on your parade and tell you, oh, you know, it's not real and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. The, if we fall back to our own authority and you don't listen to the film critic or the person with the title necessarily who's telling you this, you can listen respectfully. It doesn't matter. It's just an opinion. But if you can hold on to your own authority and say, it moved me. It worked for me and it worked for me because I was already there. That was just the projected image of what I was already in my heart. And I think that's the gift of form. It's the gift of form, you know, and this is what I just want to quickly address because I know we're coming up on a break, but you know, remember that film, the secret and not to, not to disregard anything, but I think, you know, you can think about having the car you want all day long and it doesn't mean shit if you're not really vibrating to that frequency. And, and it doesn't even matter the form. The form is a limitation, actually. It's what's in your heart, what's authentic to you. And I think to me, that's what going back to the old ways, the ancient ways is. Get back to yourself as an authority. There you go. And here we're coming up on the break, but wait three minutes and uh, come back with us of this excellent. You're listening to the True Frequency Radio Network. No hate, no hype, no, 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 no fear. Well, welcome back to Cracking the Reality Code. Thanks for joining us. We're going to jump right back into our discussion of uh, just all kinds of looks at how new science works, you know, bringing back, you know, I think in essence we're pointing to what is real power. I guess that's how I would express it. What's our real power? You know, the sense of of no matter what is being shown in our unconscious and in the mirror of it, that it's a calling. It's a calling for us to more deeply realize what we are. And there's so many great opportunities within this. Right, ladies? Definitely. Can, can I read a quote? Please. So this is, I mentioned I'd like to, talk a little bit more about resonance and vibration, which uh, science has known about for a hundred years, but they, I don't know, still they're acting like they don't know it. So this quote is by Albert Zent Georgi, who's a Nobel Prize winning biochemist. And he says, in every culture and in every medical tradition before ours, healing was accomplished by moving energy. So instead of this kind of hammer approach, you know, to quote you, Lillian, you know, hitting everything with a hammer, it, it it's, it's working with whatever the affliction is, realizing it as either a, uh, an energy that's counterproductive or 
some kind of blocked uh, some kind of blockage that's preventing energy from flowing, right? And to there's there's so much research into this now in terms of the medical field, which is really important to us, especially now when we're all trying to deal with uh, a virus that's worldwide. And there was a scientist in the early part of the 20th century named Royal Rife, and he was a very well-accredited scientist. He invented a machine called the Rife machine, and he real he his studies showed that bacteria viruses diseases have a particular vibratory rate so they have a particular resonance and he found a way to identify what that vibratory rate was and then to counteract it with his machine and Allegedly, he was curing cancer and curing all kinds of things with this machine. And, of course, he was arrested. And, of course, he had to flee the country. And, of course, um, when they were about to present him with an, a, an award at a banquet and read the latest scientific results of his work, uh, the presenter was murdered. <laughs> and of course, uh, all Rife's personal papers were confiscated by the government, you know, just like happened to Tesla. So there's a lot of modalities that have been exploring that idea of working with energy, working with vibratory rates to identify what is going on in the body that isn't working for you and to address that. Uh, there's a, a new a, one that's fairly new called quantum sound therapy, which is really interesting. I've been researching that. And there's a woman named Helena Riley who has a very good uh, video about it. And it's this type of therapy is based on an immersion method with the vibrations that are that they give you and they're saying that it's the immersion in it kind of 24 seven or as much as possible. That's really going to kind of reset your system to address whatever issues you're having. So I, th that's pretty interesting too, because I hadn't heard of that idea before about total immer immersion. But when you think about it, they do that for language, right? When you want to learn a language really quickly, you you go to an immersion school where all you do all day is speak that language, and it works. So uh, that was pretty interesting, I thought. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we talk that um, we talk about so many things, and they're all so wonderful. And you know, the subject can go all over the place. But we're talking about different healing modalities, and right now that thing that is coming to mind is a quote that Jesus said. It's like, it's not me healing. I'm totally butchering this, but it's something like, it's, I'm not the one that's healing you. It's the belief in healing that is healing you. And um, I think of placebos and how effective they are. They're incredibly effective. And so I'm not saying necessarily that it's all belief, but certainly there is something there to take a look at. And to your point earlier, Sue, it's what we're talking about when we're talking about magical thinking or even quantum physics, it's just, it's just the ability to soften the lines in our own mind about what's supposed to be happening and what's not supposed to be happening and just look at things and just experience them and just be with them and without the hard narrative that we have with it and just does this work for me you know even does it just work logically for me and for what you were saying sue about resonance and frequency totally makes sense because that's what i think in the end when we talk what is life it's energy so yeah there's movement movement is really important and moving energy is everything. And, and I'm thinking back to power because for my own self, I'm, I'm still working with what that means for me in my life. I, and I don't, I don't quite have it yet. And I, Johanna, you came closest to de describing it as, you know, not power over and not 
power with, but power as. And I like that because that makes sense to me when we talk about one substance that we all are. It's power as. And yet when I think about the resonance and the frequency, I I am now thinking of power as authenticity, that our own authenticity is a form of power, whether we are mind knows it or not, because that's why a placebo works. It's because we're already in resonance with that authentically, whether your mind is in tune to it or not. Your body does know there's a there's an intelligence that that is held there. And just like watching that movie, the movie comes to us because we're already in resonance with it. So there's power to that. It's what we're authentically already resonating with. And I think that when we loosen the borders in our own mind as to what we're going to let in and what we're not without fear, you know, back to when we look at our shadow without fear and and to your point, Sue, pain right now, I've been having a pain in my knee and I'm like, you know what? The truth is this. Here's the bold faced truth. I have no freaking clue why my knee is hurting right now. None. Because I am absolutely happy right now in my heart. I was just telling Johanna, I've had the best holla. I mean, it's been I feel so actually quite fulfilled and yet my knee is hurting. I have no idea why, but here's what works for me. Here's what my authority says to me in my authenticity. I say to the greater self, the greater wisdom of my body. I say, you know what? I don't know what's going on, but you do. So point me in the right direction. I'm willing to take a look at whatever you show me, but I think I need your help to show me what it is because it's not coming immediately to mind. And that to me works. And yeah, I know because you, right? you have the humility to surrender to your body. Yeah. Yeah. My body knows a lot more than I do a lot of times. <laughs> That's for damn sure. It will, it will show me. <laughs> and, and I just feel too, the, the, the word surrender, I mean, surrender is a beautiful word, I think, to incorporate that concept because we, the body mind, it's all energy. The world we see out there, as we keep saying over and over, it's a vibratory thing. It's very malleable. It seems very fixed and solid, but there's no proof of any solidity at all. <laughs> and we're, we're, as we're resonating and as we're surrendering, you know, it's not like we're surrendering to this conceptual thing or a God in the sky, but we can feel this force, this energy that permeates everything. It's, it's at the, it's, it's the perceptual awareness that we all have And we're feeling this more and more and more, this movement that's running the show. And we're wanting more synchronicity with it. And this is how energy medicines work. You know, it's it's belief, but yes, it's really, you know, letting this greater energy permeate and run the body because it's actually running the body anyway. We confuse it by our you know, our, our minds are separating ideas about what we, uh, what we are and what this world is. So I'm just seeing is, is, is this merger now. We're merging as the subject more and more in realizing we are this energy and we're creating this world that we're seeing by our vibratory nature as and and as that miracle keeps appearing the real power that's in charge like there's you know the old cliche there's just one power that's playing all the roles here <laughs> and it doesn't take away from our nature of free will or you know playing with choice and so forth but knowing that we, the body-mind mechanism is not a separate thing. It's, it's moving and flowing with the energy of the totality. And the more we're in realization of this, and I keep reiterating that our new science is actually showing us this. It doesn't, 
not that our paradigm is, is switching overnight by any means. And there's many modalities and and catalysts for us to see this. I mean, that's what this show is about, right, ladies? I mean, we're trying to bring up and explore all kinds of of tools or catalysts, but the essence of what we're pointing to is this unified realization of what we are as the totality. And it does not take away the magic. It only adds to it. And the cool thing is that everybody can be right in because they're everyone's going with what they resonate with. So the person, when you see the movie that you're so passionate about and it yeah. You know, then the, then the other guy says, oh, yeah, but that's just a bunch of actors and it's just um, some images on celluloid that are running through a machine. Well, yeah, for them, that's true. And it is true. But, you know, that's that person looks at it that way and you look at it the other way. Two truths coexisting. Which one are you going to go with? You're going to go with the one that resonates with you. Well said. Yes. And, you know, Johanna, I, I love what you said a minute ago that we're merging as the subject because when we, you know, we, we, you both are talking about the older paradigm that there's a world out there that is completely separate. And my thinking, my thoughts, my emotions, everything, my body wisdom, all of this has nothing to do with out there. And that is what's completely shift now, shifted and shifting is that we're merging with that whole scene. So there is no scene ever that you are not actively participating in. I don't care what you think is going on. It's just not true. We're resonating. And that resonance is projecting in the field. And part of everything that's going on is ours. And it's hard to break like what's, what's, what's yours and what's mine. Because if it's in my field of vision and in my field of experience, I'm part of that. So there is a relevance to my experiencing this. And back to Bashar Sue, he always says, you know, I think when people ask, well, how can I get what I want, blah, blah, blah. He says, well, it's what's relevant to you. And that, again, I think speaks to the authenticity of who we really are, what that, that wisdom. And, and I think that's, to me, that's what that ancient wisdom is. I, I'm feeling now when I'm talking about the wisdom of the body that this intelligence that is my body and is showing up as my body is ancient. It's, it's beyond time. So it's new and it's ancient. It's timeless. And it is a thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's an action. It's an energy. It's a happening. And it's, it's projecting through our bodies. So that I'll just say ancient here because that feels right. That ancient wisdom is our root, right? It's our grounding. It's what's ever present. And we're just now coming back around I think of the prodigal son, right? We have to go way far away and then we come back. <laughs> you know, so now we're merging with everything. I, I don't know. I, I, I find this magical. This is the magic in everyday boring life, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and... what isn't magic? If you just, yeah, I mean, just, just consider we're sitting here. I'm at a desk. We're connecting by this technology. We know, I think, in our hearts that we're connected. We feel this more and more as a direct experience every day, that even the horrors we're going through are energy configurations designed as we see them to crack them open into more clear, pure energy. You know, it's all energy, but you know, as we said, it gets contracted, it gets stuck, or it has the appearance of that. But we are cracking that code because the very intention to do that and our, the hunger in our heart to let, you know, to have this energy move us to be really, to surrender to this energy and be its vehicle. And we've tried it the other way. We've tried to have our little egoic minds try to control the greater energy 
you know what? <laughs> it wasn't working really well. It might have been a stage, you know, when we uh, when we were existing as these separate objects and, you know, in a random universe. But now, wow, it's it's connect up you know, time. Terrence McKenna once said that anyone who thinks they can control things, the universe is going to take them by the short and curly and throw them up against the wall. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who hasn't experienced that? You're like, oh, I'm in charge here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't and, think so. And ladies, isn't it, isn't it like so much more liberating not to be in charge? <laughs> yes. It is. And you know what's so cool? Because I was even something you said and I forgot. But anyway, but I was thinking about the knee. It's like, you know, I would my brain, my head, me, this thing called me, this character would like to say, okay, I'd like to just snap my fingers and make this discomfort go away. That's what I would do, right? If I had control over it. But I don't. And it's there. And verse instead of making that wrong. It's now like, whoa, okay, wow, okay, something new wants to emerge, and new meaning something I haven't seen before, and I have no idea when or what or whatever, but this, it's a communication, right? It, pain is a communication. It's, it's telling me something. I don't know what, but I know that I am way more open to it, like, we talk about being open to the shadow side. We can call this the shadow. So something that I hadn't, um, I haven't seen yet wants to surface and allow that to be. So don't make that wrong either. You know, do I prefer it to not be there? Yeah, absolutely. But I also can greet it as a messenger um, and like a gift that I don't know what's in it yet. And so, okay, you know, I can, I can stand the discomfort to see what will come of it. And I know for sure that something will come of it. Something will come to mind because in my life, that's what does work for me. And I, I have enough, I'm my own authority in this because I know that that's how my life in my experience, that's how it works. You know, that's, trans yeah, sorry, Sue, go ahead. Um, that, that's reminding me of this story that Oliver Sacks tells in one of his books, he was treating a patient, a young boy, like 10 years old, who had, had a, he was an amputee. He, so he was missing an arm and he had phantom limb pain in the arm. You know what that is, where the amputee feels pain in the limb that's missing, right? Definitely. And it's because of the energy field you know but this but it was very uh not very well understood scientifically and so oliver sachs the neurologist went and visited this young boy amputee uh and he's sitting with the the boy in his bedroom and the boy's explaining to him the pain that he's feeling in his arm and Oliver Sacks is trying to understand what's going on. So he says to the boy, well, can you move the arm? Can you touch things with the missing arm? And the boy says, yeah. And can you feel things with the missing arm? And the boy says, yeah. So Oliver Sacks says, well, go. He had a wooden bed with a bedpost. And he said, can you go inside the bedpost? So the kid, you know, puts his energy arm inside the bedpost and Oliver Sacks says what's in there and the boy says well there's some screws and there's this like round thing oh and there's a piece of dried up gum oh <laughs> so they yeah. unscrew they unscrew the bed top of the bedpost and there's the screw and the round thing and the piece of gum you know so imagine if that if that could be utilized in medicine if that young boy could grow up and become a doctor and use that uh, energy that he has in the missing arm to go inside a body and see what's going on in there instead of using other the other kind of intrusive exploratory methods that are used now. That's a great story. Yeah. Well, th there's so many 
options for that. That is a wonderful story, but it's sort of a metaphor for what we're pointing at, right? The movement of energy, the shifting, the intention to move energy, which we can move with our intention through consciousness itself, really creates results. And they are testing this all over the place, ladies. And it, it's very encouraging. Very exciting. Um, very exciting. We have the power within to heal. And, and it comes out in many ways, many modalities. Lynn McTaggart, we mentioned, is, is working with intention in small groups of eight and documenting this using you know, double blind groups and all of the scientific method, just because of our culture needs, we're a little bit into scientism, as we know. So we need some verifying, it helps to verify as well, with our own experience and collective experience. But it doesn't take away this magic, which is, wow, we don't, we're not this solid thing out there that's impervious, right? We're all connected and playing these games that were separate. But the, yeah. the, the, it's closing up. We, we're not falling for it anymore as much. <laughs> and it's, it, it's a fun game, but it's more fun when you know it's a game. Hey, right on, Sue. I'll clap to that one. <laughs> uh, let's do a show just about the game. I've got oh, lots of ideas. <laughs> now, now we're talking. Okay. No, I think right no. now. No, it's not, it's not sacrilegious. It's not, it's really seeing it in, in, I think the way that it unfolds. So we'll bookmark that. Okay. Yeah. I I like that too, you know, because I always think of, you know, if this is, if life is like a video game, when we, we find a little nugget or a little tool or something that, that we know works for us, it's like, you know, it's like winning the prize <laughs> in that video game and you put it in your little tool chest and you're like, okay, what's the next one? You know, what's the next thing I need to do? Like learn the language of what my body, the pain is trying to tell me. Okay. That can be a fun game. It's like, how do I do this? I don't even know how, but the fact that I'm even observing it and, and wanting to, I'm already engaged. I'm already in that game and so it's beautiful. fun. Yeah. You know, when the Wright brothers made their first experimental flight and uh, the scientific community said that they were not there, there were no scientists there because they had already agreed amongst themselves that that flight was impossible. (laughs) And so the experiment was free to succeed. Yes. And and that's what we need, that liberation to look at it in a way where it's a game. It's fun. We're trying this thing out. Let's let see what happens. Yeah. That's such and a we great got point as too. as you ladies said, we have lots of permission slips. Science is giving us one. We've got all this work with energy. The collective shadow is begging for us to burst that bubble. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just use our imagination. Try get in touch with ourselves as much as we can, and you can say that's a game too. But you know, it's like, what am I authentically resonating with? Like really, you know, and and try to. I don't know. Or don't the video, try. <laughs> the video game, the ante has been raised. <laughs> yeah, it's on a different level, right? It, it is on a different level. It's a more free level. It's a more open level. This is how it feels for me. It's a much more spacious level. And, and I'm not so, you know, in, I'm not so hooked all the time by everything that doesn't feel good in the moment. Well, ladies... We're coming to a, and this was so delightful. And yes, you know, this is just begs to be delved into into more. Thank, thank you, Sue, for being on. Yes, thank um, you. Check- thank-